You're listening to the Doc Lounge Podcast. This is a place for candid healthcare conversations with physician recruitment industries, top executives, and thought leaders. This podcast is made possible by Pacific Companies, your trusted advisor in physician recruitment. My name is Summer Gilbert, and I am the Director of Marketing and Branding here at Pacific Companies. And I have along with me today our COO and 30-year industry veteran, John Polk, and our EVP of Permanent Physician Recruiting and 15-year veteran, David Rubio. Thank you guys for taking the time to sit with me and chat today. Our topic is called The Next Step, and we're gonna be discussing how we at Pacific Companies help residents and fellows navigate this next step of their journey. And who better to discuss this topic than John and David? Let's start this out with kind of a quick summary of what this subject means to you guys. I know this is a pretty popular uh, topic uh, here at Pacific Companies, and we do work with a lot of um, doctors coming out of fellowship and out of residency. So, um, you know, what's the first step in helping them navigate this process? Uh, Summer, from my point of view, I think the first step should be to have a pretty good idea of what it is that they want out of a practice opportunity, uh, sort of splitting it into a couple of different areas, professionally and then really personally. Um, I think it's appropriate to have some serious conversation if there's a significant other involved well in advance of the completion of that program. I'd like to emphasize the importance of being open-minded because what you may envision as far as that perfect scenario may not actually exist in abundance or at all in the markets that you might be targeting. So some flexibility, adaptability, open-mindedness about what really will be the best opportunity for you in advance of the completion of your training program would be a good place to start. Yeah, I agree, John. Uh, Really what we focus in on working with candidates is really getting a good sense of their motivating factors. Uh, John and I are always constantly talking about these uh, particular criteria. What's the priority? When we speak with a physician, what are they looking to accomplish at a training? Everybody's a little bit different. Some really want to get out of medical school debt. Others really want to be close to family. Others want to secure the best job, whatever that means. We want to find out what that entails. And really based upon what you share with us, we can help really kind of navigate uh, what's available in the job market. But John is absolutely right. There has to be some element of open-mindedness because what you want may not be reality in the marketplace. For example, uh, you know, maybe you want to be by the coast. We get this all the time, want to be by the ocean. Well, that's great. I'm sure you're going to find an opportunity by the coast, but that doesn't always translate to the best job professionally as well as financially. Uh, John, you've been doing this for 30 plus years. You've seen that quite a bit. What would you share with a physician that says, you know what, John, I want to be by the coast. What comes to mind when you kind of hear this information when it comes to really kind of strict criteria on their job search? Well, it's interesting, and I I can't recite the specific date uh, when I read the study where most metropolitan areas have a limited number of payers, uh, and, and that has a the tendency from an economic point of view to drive down the rates of reimbursement. And in many instances, the highly desirable areas, whether it's on the coast or some other metropolitan area, suburban setting, tend to be more expensive in which to live in. And so I look at it from a disposable and discretionary income point of view. If the reimbursement rates are low relative to other areas and the cost of living is high, that can translate into the practice operating expenses and and result in a lower income for that physician. So something that my father taught me many years ago was it's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep. 
And so that's an important distinction to make because those those desirable areas are those areas that that's, you know uh, that we we might generally categorize as, as desirable uh, are likely to be very competitive. And again, that's the reason why the rates of reimbursement may be relatively low to other areas. So it's certainly a criteria to think about. When you're coming out of a residency or fellowship, you, know, you might want to take into account that your compensation is about to triple or even quadruple from where it's been. And so these are important distinctions that you really want to put some emphasis on. Is there a need for me? Can I compete there? Will I be able to meet my financial, ongoing financial obligations as well as if you have debt, uh, be able to service that debt, buy the home, you know, take care of those kinds of things. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah. A couple of stories come to mind. I have a, a friend of mine. She is a, a second-year resident in internal medicine. She's here locally in Southern California, and she's going to be uh, done pretty soon. And she's really looking into the job market and really looking for some direction and guidance. And she's familiar with our industry and what, what we do here for a living. And she shared something with that I already knew but really kind of confirmed is that a lot of her colleagues, her co-residents, whether they're above or below her in training, really don't know, have a good handle on how to evaluate a practice opportunity. And she actually inquired to our services if we go out to their training program and, and speak uh, to the residents uh, to really kind of give some guidance. And you know, her and I have had some sidebar conversations. She thought that was very beneficial and wanted me to cascade that on a more grander scale with her, her colleagues there. So you're absolutely right, really kind of prioritize and see what's the biggest thing they want to accomplish as they march along this process. And you talk about family. I have a, a brother that's also a physician. He was sharing with me that towards the end of his residency, he's like, you know, David, I, I really want to, I'm at the point of it right now in my career, looking at jobs, I, I want to kind of cash in my chips. I spent all this time in training, making money as a resident. My colleagues or my friends that went a different profession are making significant amount more money in mortgage or engineering or as an attorney. We're the same age. You're doing much better financially, but this is the path I chose. The point is, is that I feel I really want to maximize my uh, markability and out there in the marketplace. So he was asking me what to kind of look for in the, in the practice setting. So. Uh, those are thoughts that came to mind as you're, you know, sharing me some of your, your input. So I know there's a few things you want to add on to that as well. Sure. And not everybody's top priority is remuneration. I mean, as a physician, you can expect to be compensated very, very well. And so that may not be your number one priority. It may be other aspects as well. But something interesting I've observed over the years, uh, most of the residents and the fellows that we work with are presented with a variety of opportunities and they may be in a, a diversity of locations. And it's interesting to me that I think what happens is most of them will evaluate or consider a practice based on two very simple criteria. One is where is it, which is, that's, it's easy to understand why somebody would sort a plethora of opportunities based on where is it. It's easy to visualize. The other is what is the offer? I would argue that neither of those are particularly effective measurements in which to evaluate a practice opportunity because you're not likely to go there for a year. You're planning on making this a at least a multi-stage career where you may go there for five years, ten years, maybe ultimately for a much shorter period or even longer. But look past some of those things that might be a bit more superficial. One of the things that I've told physicians over the years is that one of the best ways to determine what uh, you can expect to earn is what are the other physicians in the similar specialty earning in that location. Again, we've talked a lot about compensation here, 
the other piece of this is, of course, location. A lot of people are not well versed on the diversity of this country from a geographic point of view. And I, you may find that what you're looking for exists in a place with a different label. And so we can talk a, a little bit about that here in a minute, too. Do you have any thoughts on that, David? Yeah, you bring up some good talking points. The thing that comes to mind, too, John, as I'm listening to you, is the people, the people in the organization that you're joining. Uh, quick story. So there was a physician that I was working with. He interviewed in the same city uh, two different groups. One was private practice. The other one was an employee position with the, the hospital in town. And it came down to making a decision. He had two offers, one from each camp. And the offer I, I was representing at the time was higher financially. The tipping point in getting the commitment was actually the people that he was going to join. He felt a connection with the other group. He viewed one of the senior partners as a mentor. He's like, David, I'm going to take less money because I see the potential with this group and him showing me the ropes and being successful in private practice. So you're right. It's not always you know financially driven. Uh, but what I found over the years, is I call it the intangibles. The people you're working with, the work environment, that culture, that mission that you may be really fond of in that organization. Uh, there are organizations that allow their physicians to do outreach, whether it's locally or internationally, where they dedicate time to do mission work. And a lot of physicians, because you take a step back, a lot of physicians do not go into medicine to make a lot of money. They go into medicine usually to help people, right? So they can really mix that up and how they want to help people in different capacities of their work uh, you know, week. That's going to get them excited to go to work every day. So you're right. I, I really agree with you. And e even more so when you think about the intangibles, why are they doing this? And that why is a big thing we want to discover as we get to know physicians that we work with. Right. And I've had the opportunity, as I'm sure you have as well, David, to speak to, uh, if not hundreds, thousands of of physicians completing their training and a couple of things uh, that, are, that are fairly common are they may be a bit hesitant about being out there by themselves without somebody else to maybe refer to to offer a little bit of guidance as they're establishing themselves and starting to apply the skills that they've acquired so a couple of thoughts there one is, is is the opportunity that you're evaluating does it provide you with that degree of camaraderie that mentorship potentially uh, to continue the development of your skill set. And, and the other piece of it is, if you're particularly if you're, if you're procedurally oriented, but I suppose this would, uh, would apply to somebody who's in a, in a primary care setting um, as well, is, is there a need for you? In other words, um, are you going to have enough opportunity to apply your trade, your skills as a clinician because there's a defined need in the market that you're looking at? Uh, we like to be able to quantify that need. Sometimes it is a bit uh, extrapolation, but we do look for how will a new physician coming to the community, whether they're an experienced physician or they're coming out of training, how will they be able to, to count on uh, procedures and, and patient volume? Show me the need, which is something that we're, we're always looking at. We're evaluating practice opportunities. So if I were going in, if you were my younger brother as a physician, and you probably would be because I'm older than you are, and I'm not referring to you, David, but anybody coming out of training right now is going to be a little bit younger than me, I would recommend, say, look at a place where there isn't a lot of competition. Some of the most successful practices that I've seen, and whether, however you measure success, were places where physicians went someplace where their colleagues did not want to go. They saw the need, they went there, they established the practice of their dreams, 
uh, giving them the latitude to create something in many instances, but also to achieve the goals that they had professionally as well as personally. Yeah, the road least traveled is what comes to mind, absolutely. Right. <clears throat> so uh, what are your thoughts, David, in terms of when would be a good time for a resident or a fellow to begin actively evaluating practice opportunities? Yeah, that is a really good question. We get that quite a bit too from residents, uh, fellows, as well as uh, some of our clients. So they, they like to kind of know if there's any cycles, right, when new grads are looking to uh, start really hitting the ground running. So I would say rule of thumb, generally speaking, probably at least 12 months out. So wherever you envision your start date or wherever you want to plan on working out, start 12 months out. And the reason being is for a variety of reasons. Even more so if you're looking to relocate out of state, obviously you have to get a license in that state, get credentialed, find a place to live, things of that nature. So you want to give yourself ample time. Second thing is you don't want to feel rushed. There's a lot of jobs out there, right? So once you hone in on what your criteria is for an actual practice you want to pursue in an interview, you want to make sure you have plenty of time to interview because you're in training. There's almost so much time you have to get out of the rotations to visit with an opportunity. So that's what we recommend. Uh, a lot of the, the candidates have a good sense of where they want to be, but they get confused on where they should interview. And that's where we can help out and really kind of give them some, some different perspectives on that. So those are my thoughts. What are your thoughts, John? Is that You know, it's interesting. I'm kind of grinning over here because I think a lot of physicians are probably really looking forward to the opportunity to go out and evaluate practice opportunities. I, uh, from anecdotally, I can share with you that a lot of the physicians that have completed a number of interviews get pretty weary of the process uh, after point in time. So I think it's, it's, again, back to one of our original points was that to prepare yourself for the criteria, professional or personal that really is critical to your decision. Do you really know what you want? Certainly, you're gonna to wanna to go out and maybe shop a little, because I really don't know what I want, for instance. That's, that's I'm, I'm really literally quoting people that I've talked to in the past to say, this is what, I, I, you know, I think I want this, but I'm not really sure. They may not have an understanding of the, of the style options that are available for practices and things like that, and what is actually available. A good recruiter should be able to educate you on a lot of those things. So here's a thought. It's just not a whole lot different than a lot of the, the, the associates that we hire here at Pacific Companies that might be fresh out of college. This is the first job that they've ever had in a professional organization that's full-time. Um, whether it works out for them in the long run or not, it's still valuable experience. So thinking about that from a physician, resident, or fellowship, you know, certainly it's a bit more of an entanglement to extricate yourself from a practice that didn't turn out the way that you expected it to but keep in mind that wherever you go you're going to gain valuable experience from that and it's quite conceivable now I think it's probably even the norm David you might have some thoughts on this but uh, I think physicians are more comfortable with a change in practice venue uh, than they were maybe 10 15 20 30 years ago yeah, I, I agree, and I, I've heard you say this too over the years. Generally, their first practice is not going to be their last. A lot of stuff out of our control. Life happens, right? Their wants and needs change as they mature in their practice. Maybe they have meet a significant other in that place and do their decision-making if they want to stay in their current location or change gears. Trends in the marketplace are out of our control as it pertains to reimbursements. I mean, we saw, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, a huge push for our hospital systems to create these foundation models to employ physicians in California. When I first started, that wasn't that common. The most common we recruited physicians through the income guarantees. 
that is not nearly as common. See a little bit of a resurge in that, but not as it once was way back in you know, the early 2000s. So there's trends that are out of our control that may impact one's ability to stay in a current location or practice. And another thing that, that comes to mind is two words, predictability and reassurance, right? A lot of physicians are looking to increase the odds of what that means as they look at the ongoing concern of their current practice. And, you know, you look at the statistics, I think we saw some recently, I think it was the American Medical Association, some to the effect that new grads at a training within the first two years, almost 50% of them change jobs. And the question is why, and really what I think the, the answer is, is that a lot of times they make decisions on, as you referenced, superficial items, whether it's location, I want to be in a certain area, or it's, um, you know, they sign up for a practice and things change as far as financially. It just, that's not what I thought it would be or what have you. So you can minimize that by really making sure that you're objective and, and really engaging with the recruitment firm such as ours that really can be objective, give you all the facts so you can make an evidence-based informed decision on that particular job. Oh, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree further. It's sort of, uh, to me, in two words, due diligence. So you'll never know what it's like to live in the community unless you've already lived there before, uh, but that would apply to every opportunity that you're currently considering. And so it may be, uh, I remember the first time I tried sushi, uh, like I had really no interest in raw fish, uh, but once I tried it, I went, hey, this stuff's pretty good. Um, and so the old Dr. Seuss metaphor, the book Green Eggs and Ham, try it, you might actually like it. And so I would recommend for a fellow or resident who isn't certain about what they want, go on some interviews, but be prepared to make a decision, right? Part of it's going to be fact-finding and giving you the ability to compare something. If somebody's ready, willing and ready to interview you, then you should probably take them up on that. But it's imperative that you prepared yourself in advance. You know, I've had some uh, recent experience with locum tenens, and there's a couple of other things I want to mention here. Not everybody is cut out for right out of training to be a to go and accept a permanent position. And I think in some instances that might feel as though I'm locking myself into a 30-year mortgage. Well, that's not necessarily the case. For some physicians who aren't really sure, maybe they still want to get out and see things. And one of the ways that you can establish uh, an understanding of what kind of practice options are available is to try some locum tenens as well. Cautionary note for somebody's finishing up training, if you're very specific about where it is that you want to be, you may want to be very broad about where you're, what it is that you're prepared to do. And the converse is true. In other words, if you're very specific about what you want to do, you might want to be very broad about where you're prepared to do it. <clears throat> the other thing is, is that most of our clients on the locum tenants side will not entertain a physician who hasn't seen a patient in six months. So that's something to stay away from. Make sure you get out there and gain that valuable experience one way or the other. Uh, in fact, if you haven't yet decided on a permanent practice opportunity, locum tenens is certainly a very viable option for you. And you're ultimately, if you're hired by uh, a group or a hospital system uh, on a permanent basis, they may very well value and appreciate the fact that you got some prior experience elsewhere following your residency or fellowship. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Locum's uh, kind of the date before you get married scenario is, is becoming very popular, especially with physicians that are really not quite sure uh, where they envision themselves or their practice and when I kind of really test the waters a little bit, different work environments, different settings, and there have a better basis of something to work off and make a decision on a more permanent basis. So. 
Well, we're just about out of time. Thank you guys so much. Is there anything else uh, you want to say as we end this episode? Well, I think that uh, that pretty well sums it up for me. I mean, we'd love to talk to you uh, over the phone. Give us a, a text or an email and help to give you the best guidance that we've got. Look forward to hearing from you and talking to you again. Likewise, I enjoy this. Thank you, John. Thank you to all our listeners. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes air, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And thank you to Pacific Companies. Without you guys, this podcast would not be possible. If you'd like to be a guest or for more information, go to www.pacificcompanies.com.